Welcome to Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Pamela Anchang. Impact is a show where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. We have an exciting lineup of hot topics, entertainment, and profiles you can't afford to miss. And to you all, in true American fashion, we say, what's up? On today's show, we will be discussing the current state of immigration and the root of the xenophobia plaguing America today with a formidable panel from all works of life, including a very special guest who many in the immigrant community consider a champion and an ally. He is none other than Councilman Curran D. Price Jr. of the 9th District. He is someone who during these trying times in the immigrant community allocated $1 million from his district's discretionary fund to immigrant rights organizations who provide assistance to undocumented immigrants. He is here to shed some light on this matter. And on our hot topic panel, we have Mr. Guillermo Torres, an immigrant rights activist from the clergy and lady United for Economic Justice organization known as CLUE. He is currently the interim program director of organizing and director of immigration campaigns. And he was the lead organizer for the successful Living Wage campaign in Long Beach, as well as the first ever flying food workers unionization campaign at LAX. We also have Ms. Claudia Kovacs, a Hungarian-American multi-award winning film and theater director who has worked with the best in the entertainment industry, including Oscar-winning cinematographer Vilmos Zygmunt and the legendary cinematographer Laszlo Kovacs. And of course, Mr. Robert Ledbetter, an American with a rich background in many areas. He describes himself as a man that has been blessed to get to be educated by so many in the world. An avid philanthropist, he is currently involved with programs to give back and pursuing a start in the entertainment world. And finally, our special impact interview is with one not to mess with. This lady took on then businessman Donald Trump and prevailed in court. You don't want to miss her. Her name is Virgilia Viegas, president of Virgilia Productions, Inc. She's an extraordinary immigrant from the Philippines. Her mission is creating impact through her numerous ventures in the pageant world in America, a world we all know Mr. Trump dominated for a long time. So really exciting show today, so be sure to stay with us as we take you on this magnificent journey that is the immigrant experience. And please join our conversation by sharing your thoughts on our Facebook page, at Impact with Pamela Ann Chang and follow me on Instagram at Pam and Chang, Twitter at Pamela Ann Chang and finally www.immigrantmagazine.com Voice of Immigrants in America. And this is Impact on KPFK 90.7 where immigrants and Americans discuss America today and I'm your host Pamela Ann Chang. Mother of creation Who is the immigrant? Say no matter where you come from This is not important Let's tackle a hot topic of the day, understanding the current state of immigration and the root of the xenophobia in America today. With our distinguished panelist, my co-host, Guillermo Torres, immigrant activist from Clue LA. Welcome, Guillermo. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Amazing. Mr. Robert Ledbetter, philanthropist and blessed American. I love that. Thank you for having me here. And finally, but not least, Ms. Claudia Kovacs, Hungarian-American, multi-award winning film and theater director. Thanks for having me. 
fabulous. Welcome to the show, guys. Let's set the scene. Now, data shows that immigrants add trillions of dollars to the U.S. economy, and the value of their cultural contributions to the fabric of this nation will continue to multiply for decades to come. In spite of these contributions, most immigrants, as we all know, are not walking tall these days. Instead, they are afraid and experiencing a height of crippling xenophobia, while white supremacy groups have grown more emboldened. For example, 2017 in Charlottesville and D.C. DC last August. Immigrants have had all sorts of claims levied against them, including an acute demonization with claims that undocumented immigrants commit more crimes and acts of terrorism. Immigrants take American jobs. Immigrants don't pay taxes. And now we have a phenomenon known as living wild immigrant. Even for legal immigrants, a number of high-profile incidents involving white people calling the police on people of color. For example, a white attorney threatened to call ICE on Spanish-speaking restaurant workers. Some have told him, go back where you came from. What do you think is the reason for the state of affairs? And are Americans interested in the truth? Mr. Guillermo, you are in the trenches. I want to start with you. Tell us, based on your experience, what do you think of these claims? Right now, it's pretty sad what this country, where we're at as a country. And I think some of the things that you have mentioned could be attributed to the current policies of this administration, who policies and laws that dehumanize the dignity of every human being in this country. And not only in this country, but other countries as well. It is pretty sad and, and disgraceful and hurtful and painful when you hear from children in an elementary school as young as 10 or 12 years old that they are so depressed and scared that they're going to take away one of their parents, a mother or a father from their home, that they have intention of committing suicide at that young age because of what they're hearing, what they're seeing. Uh, when you have somebody in power that calls certain committee members from other countries that there are uh, that there are criminals, they're bringing drugs, it emboldens people. It, it highlights a past of American history that's really painful. It highlights uh, roots of racism, discrimination, and it brings that part of our history that was not a good part of our history that dehumanized people of uh, groups, different communities. So I think uh, we have to really, people of good conscience, uh, people of faith, people of community really have to lift up the other voices and not stay quiet. You know, I w was thinking about yesterday that uh, Martin Luther King said, when one person is injured, we're all, all injured. No matter if we are immigrants from Africa, Latin America, Asia, uh, Middle Eastern countries, we must not let people dehumanize other people. And we've seen past histories, very painful histories, when people stay quiet and do not lift their voices and amplify the voices of humanity. Thank you so much. Robert, why do you think there is a feeling of resentment felt among immigrants? Or do you, do you agree that there is a feeling of xenophobia in this country right now? Well, I think there is definitely a feeling of it. I think that I think a lot of grouping goes on where the that the immigrants themselves that are here legally do get grouped into that group because people in America don't take the time to really how would you say it to really just pay attention to who people are and understand who they are so they group everyone together. Um, so with that xenophobia that comes through, I think that your legal immigrants constantly feel that because they get grouped into the illegal immigrant aspects. And when it comes to the illegal immigrant aspect in America, there is a fear, there is a problem in America that whether it's right or wrong and the media has done it, however they presented it, that the Americans are feeling and are scared 
that they're going to lose everything to someone who isn't coming here legally and here legally. That is not, I don't think, some kind of farce. That is in a, a scare in America, I, mm-hmm. I, absolutely. But as a group, as a whole, again, I think a lot of times everything gets put as immigrants, and it's not against immigrants. The, the, the problems in America right now are the problems with the illegals more than the immigrants, and again, it gets grouped in as everyone being illegal. So let me ask you, would you agree, therefore, with Guillermo that this is a result of maybe the regime, the administration in place today? Absolutely not. Uh, it's not? a result is because, as I've said to many people, uh, it doesn't matter who is the presidency, the presidency is not making the laws. The results of today is our Congress, our government, doing nothing for many, many years on many, many laws and not doing anything to fix the problems, not doing anything to change the problems, and everyone wanted to look at one person and blame one person from it. The reality is it's the whole government as a group, from Congress to Senate to President, because all three of them are the ones that are supposed to be doing to make a change. And no one has been doing that for over 20 years. So you don't think that our current president has any responsibility to bear in even the way he talks about immigrants? The way he talks about immigrants, absolutely he has that to bear, but that's who he is, and that's what he's going to have to deal with. And should we excuse that? I don't know if you can excuse it or not. I don't believe you excuse anyone by speaking hate. That you never do. That's for your own judgment to have towards people. But again, I think, is it a reason that you should say he shouldn't be the president? That's the whole problem? No, because there's a lot of things that have got to be done. So, again, I'm not asking how you want to excuse it, because it is what he says, and you do judge him on what he says, just as you would judge anybody on what they say. I don't think, I'm, and I think I'm going to go back to Guillermo if I come to Claudia, because I want to understand more your position when you said the administration. Um, maybe you should clarify more the role of leadership in this atmosphere, because we've had Republican presidents, we've had Democratic presidents before mm-hmm. him, and I never felt this feeling mm-hmm. of being an outsider before Guillermo. You well, were out there. Well, you know what? Uh, words could hurt people or could make people happy, right? Or could help heal people. True. And the words that have come out of his mouth, the policies, uh, him uh, demonizing from the start of his administration and even maybe before that during his campaign, the way he described community members, uh, you know, calling Mexicans criminals, rapists, drug dealers, telling our brothers and sisters, our beautiful brothers and sisters who come to seek asylum from Haiti, saying that they're not people of value. So when you have somebody promoting those kind of uh, policies, and then the most inhumane and the most cruel way, zero tolerance policy of separating asylum seekers' parents from their children. It's, you know, God's laws, they lift up the humanity of human life. These policies are degrade the humanity of people, putting children in cages, forcefully separating them from their parents while the children are screaming. These policies, words uh, that have come from him uh, as a leader, as the president of the United States, you know, it's been hurtful. He has emboldened people who have similar ideas, similar views. That's why I say this is a past in some parts of America and some people who still do not see other people as equal as humans as our neighbors is he represents that small part of america that still does not want to change that wants to stay and live in the past uh, of policies that were of a history that was a dark side of america so this is now who we are and i'm glad that 
not only people in America during the civil rights movement and in other times have challenged those dark moments of different eras. And here's another dark moment that we're at. And it's people must must speak up, people of conscience, people of faith. You must speak up against such painful and some ha such hate that is contributing to other people targeting immigrants and, and targeting uh, communities of color or other people. Yeah. Not taken. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Impact on KPFA 90.7, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. Our panel today is discussing the current state of immigration and the root of the xenophobia in America today. That was Guillermo Torres from Clue and Mr. Robert Ledbetter, a blessed American, who shared their views. And I'm going to go to Miss Claudia Klovac, Claudia Kovacs, who is a Hungarian-American who has experienced, you know, life as an immigrant. But based off, what, off of what Mr. Guillermo and Robert have just discussed, if the target, Claudia, seems to be people of color, can it therefore be justified as the law? Or is it racism or immigration? We have to pick. We can have both. What do you think? I immigrated to this country 20 years ago, and I do feel that at the time, it was much more welcoming and tolerant mm -hmm. uh, in general to to immigrants. I think in my case, because I'm Caucasian, I have not experienced racial profiling, but I do feel that these days um, it definitely plays a role um, that people who come from different, different ethnicities and do not come from maybe Europe, but rather right. from South America or Africa or, or the Middle East, that they definitely are subject to racial profiling. I mean, and you're not wrong. I mean, the president and, you know, the administration, I want to say the administration because not just the president, um, they've shown preferences for Norway and not Zimbabwe, and actually said it, and then of course referred to African countries in ways that I wouldn't, my mouth wouldn't say because I'm from Africa and uh, I resent that. Um, Robert. Whose job is it, though, to keep immigrants safe? Is it the government or is the government just another arm of the resistance against immigrants? Because, like Guillermo said, some people have been emboldened by policies. What do you think? So you're asking me on immigrants or illegal immigrants? Because there's a big difference when we have this conversation a okay, lot. Okay, let's have very, it. Very, very big difference. Let's because it. when it comes to an immigrant, of course, it is our job to protect them and, do, and take care of them because they're now becoming American. And that's what they're part of the American society. Yes. As a, someone that is an illegal coming in, illegal, et cetera, it's not our job. And I always will repeat the same thing. If anyone can show me any country that does the things and has the amount of immigrants coming in, illegals coming in, doing everything America does, then we can have this discussion all day long. But when we come back to the real example, what America does, America is doing more than any country on a regular basis. Even to this day right now, there's other countries that we're trying to open up to refugee status, et cetera, and they're shutting their doors like crazy right now due to the fact that it's been overpopulation, too many going in there, and things of that nature. So again, when it comes to what America does, yes, obviously they taking care of their immigrants, are always going to take care of their immigrants because they're legal, they're part of America, and that's their job to do because they're Amer just like anyone else, an American citizen. But when it comes in illegal, and illegal is an illegal until they become a citizen, until they come and fight, just like my family did, did it the proper way, come in legally from Mexico, et cetera, whoever they come from, they're still legal. So it's not America's job to put out the money and everything protect. Well, I see Claudia is like, let me say something. Claudia, go for it. Yeah, so I went through the entire immigration process in America, and not only... I went through it myself, but I have 
literally hundreds of friends who went through it. And something I like to say, which is very important, if you are trying to immigrate to this country legally, what most of my friends have experienced was that the immigration process, INS, is so slow to respond that it's entirely possible that you're here legally, you submit your visa legally ahead of time, way ahead of time, and by the time you get the notification that you were approved for a certain time frame is after the time frame you were approved for. And now you're out so of status. That means, exactly. So that means even though you were trying to respect the law, follow the rules, most of my friends had attorneys. I had attorneys. We paid so much money to be able to be here. Nevertheless, the response time of the INS is so incredibly slow that you end up being illegal even if you immigrated legally. So most people who immigrated legally actually at one point were illegal. Uh, so that's, I think, very important to mention that the INS is just not up to the job. Which comes back to the same thing that I told you to get go. We need to fix systems. It's on everyone, not one group. It's systems that need to be fixed, and America has a problem. They and don't like to fix systems. They just like to throw new things out. Okay, Robert. <laughs> but Robert, let me ask you something real quick. You said that it's not a government's job or responsibility to take care of, I call them undocumented immigrants, by the way, because I don't believe that anybody is illegal. Okay? So you say it's not a government's job or responsibility to take care of them. Are you saying that a mother, a father who gets maybe accosted, maybe assaulted, should not count on the government for protection because they are without Assaulted documentation, criminal, who? because they, I asked the question, again, should not, the they, government be responsible they, for protecting them? For example, a white supremacist does something to an undocumented, mm -hmm. someone who's prejudiced. So is it their fault that they get? Again, if they're undocumented in this country and a white person does something, of course our law is going to go after them and that would happen. But again, again, they shouldn't be in the country to even be a problem. The problem is, again, we're coming back to the same thing, is that if you're here illegally, and you can tell me you're undocumented or not, every country has rules for the immigration going on. In every country, you go in there, you're illegal going in. It's, you're breaking a law. So again, whether we all want humanly right, I agree with you in the sense that it would be nice if everyone had open borders and everyone had the best worlds, etc. But when it comes back to what rules are rules, the rules are the rules, and it says they're illegal, then again, we're back to the same boat, that they shouldn't be here illegally. Go for it, Claudia. I just wanted to reiterate something that I said previously and basically agree with you that the system needs to be fixed. It happened to me personally, so I know this for it to be true. My file at one point was lost by the INS. I was INS. I was here. The process was promised to be about two years. And after two and a half years, the INS sent a letter to my attorney saying, we lost the file. We have zero record, <laughs> zero record of your file. So I had to pay the attorney another fee. I had to pay all my fees to the INS, and I had to wait another two and a half years to get my paperwork done. So I just wanted to share what an it's such an incredibly unbelievable story that if you tell this to an average American who really luck is lucky enough that didn't have to go through the um, immigration process they would not believe it because what country loses a file on, a, on, a, on an immigrant so anyway i just wanted to share that story because that just shows you how incompetent they are so and how much fixing it needs to if the system totally if the system is that flawed guillermo i'm still on this situation of government responsibility because horrendous things are happening now if the government can separate children 
by the way, Robert, asylees and refugees will not be under the category of illegals. You mm -hmm. know that. Mm -hmm. Now, the recent happenings of separating them to sort them out, you know, do you agree that that's unconscionable? To separate them? Yes, from their Absolutely. children. Absolutely, but I guess then you would have to go back to the courthouse and ask the courts, why do you have it against the law to put them together in a jail? But to keep them together in to keep them together in confinement, that's against the law by America too. So we're back to the same thing. I'm telling you, what you bring to me, we need to fix the system. If in the system it says that we cannot confine a child with a mother in a confinement together to hold them, then you have to separate them. And if it's wrong to separate, which I totally don't disagree with you on that, then you got to fix the law so the law allows them to be able to stay together in a confinement center. Yes. Now let's talk about. Now we've talked about undocumented enough. There is a the xenophobia. Let's get back to the topic, mm -hmm. which is about the growing xenophobia in the country. Now, let's look at the top in terms of policies. A lot of Americans don't know this, or maybe those who know don't care. I'm sitting here. I'm legal. Claudia's legal. We are legal immigrants. However, right now, there are lots of policies that are being put in place where if you're not careful, even some people that have become citizens will have a rollback based on, and I'm sure Gamer can speak to this, and we're also trying to eliminate some of the legal ways that immigrants get you in the first place. For example, the green card lottery, okay? Um, seeking to end family reunification. Talking about xenophobia. What is xenophobia? Fear of what? Foreigners, fear of immigrants, basically. Doesn't that contribute to that institutionalization of the xenophobia. Gemma, what do you, what do you think? No, yes, I think you, you're right. The policies, uh, for example, you mentioned how some of these policies that were in place that protected immigrants who had actually applied for status. We haven't talked about the thousands of children that were removed from DACA because of the administration. There you go, DACA. Who, whose life has now been filled with uncertainty, financial, uh, their home, their families, the impact that it has on a human being, on a mother and a father. You talk about temporary protection status for uh, immigrants that came here because either wars, civil wars, or natural disasters, uh, natural disasters from Haiti, yeah. Central America. I mean, how can you say that Haiti is ready to uh, have the infrastructure when everything points that it doesn't after the earthquake and then after the hurricanes? How can you uh, be so dehuman to want them to send them back to Haiti after they made their life here and they have settings here and you get, and we gave them temporary protection status, uh, never getting them from that protection status to another status to become residents or U.S. citizens, keep them still under the shadows, under, even under the temporary protection status. Uh, how can it be humane to wanting to send those brothers and sisters back to a country that's in a bad situation that doesn't have the infrastructure to bring them back? El Salvador. El Salvador had the, in 2015, uh, San Salvador was the second most violent city in the world. In 2015, the, the month of August, El Salvador reported that there was one murder occurring, a homicide occurring every hour in El Salvador. That's why a lot of those children are unaccompanied minors are coming. The U.S. government knows the policies in Central America that those are the, that El Salvador and Honduras have the, one of the highest rates of violence in the world. And our government had a lot of influence and a lot of uh, roots going back to those governments as far as uh, dictators 
dictators, supporting uh, past dictators, the gangs that were created here in Los Angeles. How is it helpful that these policies, those kind of uh, cancellations of, the, of those policies, now those people that have temporary protection status from all, some, uh, and I just mentioned two countries. Right. Imagine the father, the mother who's sustaining a home, their children trying to get them into college. What do they do now? Exactly. What do they do with their lives? So these policies keep dehumanizing people. They keep feeding the racism and the discrimination that's still in some parts of some people Absolutely. in this country. Yeah. So what we're saying, I mean, let's wrap this up somehow, is if you're taking away the TPS, the temporary protective status from families from these nations, do you realize that they have built families, they have children now? If you send back these parents, what happens to the children who are now American immigrants, Robert? So what I listened to there, very clearly, because I want to make sure we stay on that, what he said and the way he made that was that is because they're in dangerous situations. So my feeling to you about this is, so he said one every hour is dying in El Salvador. How many are dying every hour in Chicago and no one's worrying about that? So that's why America's where they're at. And I'm just going to leave it at that because we're going to bring up statistics. We got to understand that. You want to understand why America has problems? Because we want to worry about everyone outside of our country. We got to worry about what's in our country. And that is very important to understand why we have problems here. Claudia. As a filmmaker, I like to say something because I happen to make a film on immigration. It's called Panic Nation. Oh, wow. <laughs> we are in panic right now. Oh, it's, wow. It's appropriate. primarily focused on immigration from Mexico. So, okay. um, but fundamentally, the, the, the film examines, it's a documentary, feature-length documentary, five-time award-winning, by the way. Um, and... What we focused on in terms of the film is not only to examine what is and, and the fear that's going on in America, but also the contribution of legal and illegal immigrants make to this country, not just culturally, but economically. So this is a, this is a very uh, money-oriented country, America is. And so I think the most powerful argument you can ever make in America is either has to do with taxes or how much money you make. And... And so what's what's important to know that illegal immigrants pay taxes and how they contribute to the economy. And I think if the general public uh, would be educated on this, the hate would be much less. Also, I feel that the president, even though it's not only the president, of course, the whole uh, administration, but the president should be and politicians in general should be exemplary humans. Should be. And you okay. know what? I know it's a joke. <laughs> and I know it's 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 a it's a uh, maybe an a utopia. <laughs> but if I'm going to uh, nominate someone for presidency, I would like that human being to be someone who is capable morally as well as otherwise lead a country. And I think it's very important what kind of a tone that person uses once they, once they are in office. I think you said it all. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7 where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. Our panel today is just discussing the current state of immigration and the root of the xenophobia in America today. And we had a really, really sensitive and insightful discussion, which I hope you will share your thoughts. Um, I want to thank Mr. Guillermo Torres, immigrant rights activist from the clergy lady United for Economic Justice, known as CLU, Ms. Claudia Kovacs, Hungarian-American multi-award winning film and theater director, and Mr. Robert Ledbetter, philanthropist and blessed American with a rich background in many areas. Thank you all so much for your very insightful dialogue. We should have a part two of this conversation because I think we were just barely scratching the surface. 
And I'm your host, Pamela Ann Chang. You're listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. Thank you all. After that really insightful conversation, which we could have gone on, let's talk about the path forward. And to bring it all home is a very special guest who many in the immigrant community consider a hero. Councilman Corin D. Price, Jr. of the 9th District, is a champion for immigrants and a humanitarian, not just by his words, but his deeds as well, allocating $1 million from his district's discretionary fund to immigrant rights organizations who provide assistance to undocumented immigrants. He has taken time out of his hectic schedule to be here with us and to shed some light on immigrants and how they matter. Welcome to the show, Councilman. Well, thank you, Pam. It's good to be here with you and your listeners. Oh, amazing. On behalf of all immigrants in America, I want to personally thank you for what you do that many really are afraid to do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's an opportunity to serve that I take very seriously. And, yeah. uh, you know, we all have a responsibility to look after each other. Absolutely. Thank you. So what prompted you, if I may just, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what prompted you to give the financial support you gave to Carison and Chirla? Well, you know, the area that I represent is uh, about 80% uh, Latino. Okay. You know, half of that uh, number is from uh, people from uh, Mexico, but the other half are from uh, uh, El Salvador, uh, uh, Guatemala, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the diaspora, including uh, the, the Caribbean, uh, and even parts of Africa. Mm. Uh, and so uh, immigrant concerns are first and foremost on my mind. I, you know, I've got dozens of calls over the past uh, year or so about parents who are afraid to go to, go to the store, Correct. afraid to take their kids uh, to, the, uh, to the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of fear of being stopped. And, in fact, we've had those those cases have occurred uh, around in Southern California. Um, you know, we, we had some uh, doing some traffic uh, repair, and so the, the, the yellow cones were out in the street, and people right. are fearful that it's, a, that it's a stop. I know. You know, and so they go all what the way around. Tra- yeah, so just the hysteria that's that uh, has been created uh, that I think was existing uh, subliminally for a long time anyway, and certainly exacerbated with the pronouncements of our president and failure to recognize the value and worth of 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 immigrants, in, individuals who come from other countries. And so I've looked around and tried to figure out what could we be doing? What could we be doing differently? Certainly the federal government has failed us mm-hmm. uh, in terms of coming up with a coherent national strategy. Yeah. And so we see increasingly uh, that the cities and states are taking leadership in enunciating policies and promoting programs. Right. Uh, certainly at the local level, our mayor has been very strong and, and vocal about supporting immigrant rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, even our chief of police has spoken out and said that the police are not going to be used as a tool for, for ICE. Uh, you know, they're not going to be complicit in those activities. Uh, several council members uh, certainly have expressed their, their concern and their support. Uh, and as I said, with an immigrant community as large as mine, I wanted to do something that would really make some, an impact. And so the $1 million that we were able to allocate uh, to two organizations, Cadessin and um, Chirla, $500,000 each, mm-hmm. uh, to, br- to provide much-needed assistance uh, in uh, providing legal assistance, uh, working on um, family uh, unification petitions, uh, renewing uh, DACA applications, supporting DREAMers at TPS programs uh, right across the board. Absolutely. Uh, again, providing that kind of assistance in ways that, that we've not been able to do before. Well, thank you so much. So do you agree that we're living 
We're experiencing a moral crisis and a growing xenophobia. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's be and, honest. And it is a, a real crisis, and I think it's the responsibility of, of all elected officials, especially of elected officials, yeah. to enunciate a, a higher standard, a, to, to, to talk about bringing people together, uh, to talk about the worth and value. And, and so that's why these immigration programs, uh, immigration concerns, are so important. At the council level, in fact, we've even created a committee, Immigrant Rights Committee, so that we can further uh, examine this issue and make sure that we're doing all we can for citizens in the Los Angeles area. Well, thank you so much. So, final word, how can immigrants and Americans, you know, if, mm-hmm. if the top, the president won't do yeah, it, yeah. how can we as citizens, what can we do to break this tension so that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody feels comfortable? Well, I think we just have to keep uh, communicating. I think programs like this are very important. Right. Uh, publications like the Immigrant Magazine okay. are important is mm-hmm. to communicate uh, and to uh, share information uh, with each other. Uh, right. uh, you know, we have a lot more in common than, than we have opposed. And so we have to do all we can to speak positively, to provide assistance, and to make sure that we're doing we, what we can to protect families and kids, seniors and others in our community. Everyone has value. Everyone has worth, uh, whether or not you are uh, undocumented uh, or not. And we want to make sure that that is corrected. Well, no taken. Thank you so much for honoring our invitation to shed light on such an important topic. All I have to say is, go New Ninth. <laughs> Thank you. And you're listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. And that was Councilman Corin D. Price of the New Ninth, a champion for immigrants. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, na, na, na. The plain land, it's the plain land. A hundred pound of Cali weed, where they get it from. The plain land, it's the plain land. Swaggle up myself with a interrogation. The plain land, it's the plain land. Make up my mind for face the immigration. The plain land. Saddle so up myself with take interrogation. Search them, I search them, I search the Taliban. Searching my destruction. That's where my toothpaste, that's where my stimulant. Hold the day, your ball, and that's your medication. Draw up my belt, left my pants in my hand. Scan all me, I ask me where me come from. Take off my shoes, them, I say, take off your thumb. If them ever find a way to sleep, you're gone another land. The green land. So welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. Our panel today just discussed the current state of immigration and the root of the xenophobia in America today. And we had on Mr. Guillermo Torres, Ms. Claudia Kovacs, and Mr. Robert Ledbetter, who gave us candid impressions of what is going on. And right now in the studio with me is someone who, like me, is a media person. She's none other than Miss Kiana M. Williams, an audio engineer, editor, co-host, and producer of Feminist Magazine here at KPFK. I'm your host, Pamela Ann Chang. And um, I just want to welcome you, Kiana, to the show. Thank you so much, Pamela, for having me here. It's amazing. You know, I've been dying to get your perspective after listening to everybody else. We have talked about um, the policies, who's to protect the immigrants, sure. and 
why there's so much xenophobia? Why is there so much seeming fear of the foreigner? I just want to get your take on the disconnect. Obviously, if the government is not doing what it's supposed to do, the administration, and we have this surge of racism, of um, white supremacy groups who have become more emboldened. What is going on? What is the fear? What are Americans afraid of, do you think? I think um, the disconnect that Americans have, I think, belongs to Americans, I think. I don't, I don't see that it belongs to people who move to this country. I think it's solely with people of the United States who have a very limited perspective of what it means to move from one country to another. Um, in America, America, this particular country, is markets itself as the greatest nation on earth, the richest nation on the planet, a bunch of different things. There's a lot of marketing that goes into telling people what America is, what the United States is. And I think because of that, the people of the United States have sort of fluffed their feathers in such a way that anyone from anyone from outside of the United States uh, wants what we have. Correct. Or, um, heaven forbid, someone want to actually come to America and do something else with their lives. Heaven forbid, because that means, what does that mean to someone with a, a limited perspective? That means that that's less for them. And that is a homegrown fear. Right. That is a United States of America-based perspective that is shared among people who willingly adopt that out of the need to feel superior. Now, let me ask you this, because you are American. I am American. As American yes. as they come. Matter <laughs> add, you're African-American, which as means well. your ancestors, unlike mine, came here via different channels. Correct. Okay. And I've met many African-Americans, many Americans in general, but I say African-Americans specifically, and because I kind of get a sense that they really don't care. Is that, do you... Because you care. I've had conversation with you. I do, very much. Why is it? Is it African-Americans don't seem to be interested in this immigration dialogue? I have a couple of different ideas in that regard. One being that African-Americans in this country have um, quite a bit of personal issues that are dealt with every single day from the day that we're born. Right. And I think in order for... African-Americans to share a platform of compassion, first, a lot of African-Americans have to get over some of the imposed ills. True. Um, and I think the other reason is that I think there's also some shared fear there. Okay. I think that African-Americans are not immune to the conditioning Correct. of America. So I think those two... Uh, are probably the main drivers of what you're what you're seeing, and I don't speak for all of African Americans. That's just my perspective from what I've noticed. Right. So now we talk about African Americans. Now mm -hmm. we talk about because I'm trying to break in and have honest conversations. Sure. Okay. If I look at the other side, the Caucasians, the Asians who are born here, I'm not talking about my like immigrants. I'm talking about minorities born in this country. You, the strangest thing about it is sometimes it's the people that you think would understand, given that their ancestors came in either, as in your case, 
the unfortunate situation of slavery right. or came in like in my case and others as immigrants or refugees whatever their ancestors however they might have come mm-hmm. isn't it hypocritical then that if your ancestors are not the original indigents of this country right that you don't seem to be able to empathize with this whole situation and rather there's this growing fear of immigrants sure yes that is extremely hypocritical and I would have to say that in order to take on that hypocrisy, I think a person has to wear a certain amount of self-righteousness in order for you to step away from a reality that you share with someone who is an immigrant or whatever the case is. Um, and, And so I think that fear allows a person willful fear, not fear as in I'm scared, fear as in that looks different. That sounds different. Yeah. I don't want to be involved with anything that doesn't mirror me. I think that is an artificial type of fear. I don't think that's a natural fear mm-hmm. to fear a hum- another human being just because they have an accent or just because they happen to be a different hue right. or whatever those artificial mm-hmm. fears are. Those are homegrown. Those are taught. They're not natural fears. Now, do you think for you as a media person, because we're speaking media to media, do you think that media takes some should take some kind of responsibility in the conditioning? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. In our in our dialogue, I tend to have a hard time saying the word immigrant because it where it 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 places something onto people. It tells them it it labels a person as someone who came from another country. Uh, first off, and yeah. personally, I I feel like any and every organism that lives on this planet has. Their, their birthright is to move about the planet as they choose. Right. Uh, just as you can move around your own house as you choose. This is everyone's house, and it's the only one that we have. Um, so I, I, I just, um, yeah. So how can we really reconcile this then? How can immigrants and Americans get to a place of comfort? Who's responsible? I think we need to keep pushing Americans to open their minds. Mm-hmm. I, think we, I think people of the United States... Um, need to become uncomfortable with an accent. I think we need to have more people on the air, both television and radio, with very thick accents, the thicker the better, because sometimes you just got to jump in the water, right? I think um, Americans need to just jump in the water and deal with an accent, learn how to listen to a person. And if if you can't make out their words, just sit and listen. Try to try to roll it around in your head and try to figure it out because they deserve that. They deserve respect, just as you do. We have people who live in the South and on the East Coast with extremely thick accents, but we'll take time to try to figure out what they're trying to say because they're speaking English to some degree, and it's a recognizable United States accent. We, we associate it with the United States, therefore it's tolerable. Well, that's, that's unacceptable. Human beings, should, human beings deserve respect Absolutely. at all times. So I, I think we need to just um, have more more conversations, more conversations like this. I think your show is an absolutely <laughs> oh I, I think it is it's oh so time it's high time for it's, we really need like to do this. this. Yes. Yeah, I'm really yeah. I'm really glad. And you know what? Just a final word from you. What do you think the fi- the founding fathers will be thinking right now? Do you think they're proud of where we are? Did they create this great country for us not I, to be? Or would it depend on who? I think they had one intent. Hmm. 
What do you think? In terms of the founding fathers, I have a very unpopular perspective about the founding I like fathers. I I don't call them my fathers. Correct. Um, the people that came to this country and that created genocide and I could go into the history, but I, I won't address I don't call them my founding fathers and I'm not really interested in what they may or may not think at this point because at the end of the day they created this. They That's true. They created the fabric of what America is America today. what it is. Yes. They created the fabric and as every organism does, it's breeding. Maybe, maybe we should talk about the the Statue of Liberty, right? Oh. Even though maybe the Statue of Liberty would it be for certain people right. and not for others. Yeah. So is that Statue of Liberty does that include me? Right. Right. I really wonder. Just like the Constitution. Well, some of us were not included. <laughs> we're in not. <laughs> when it was written. Some of us were not. Well, I wonder what the natives would think then. Yeah, interesting. Right? Maybe that's what we should ask. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. I like that. You know, maybe we should have, maybe we'll have a native and maybe they'll then be able to ask maybe the administration, maybe Jeff Sessions yes. to explain, say, who gives you the right, Right. you know, to treat right. others this way? When you, we might want to question. And if I may be so bold as to say, <laughs> you know, when it comes to the fear of immigrants, right, yeah. or the fear of uh -huh. people that move to the United States, mm -hmm. I have noticed that that fear is primarily expressed about those who tend to be of a certain hue from certain countries. Um, it, it, it's very obvious that it is a race-based fear, Don't just even, flat out. You, I mean. you do not even need to doubt, have any doubts about right. it. When you call African countries, whole countries. Yeah, exactly. Or when you prefer Norwegians, right? Right. Over Zimbabweans, of course. right? Yeah. And when you call Mexicans rapists. Right. And uh, what else? Every bad word in the book. Yes, exactly. So what do you expect? Well, I think at the end of the day, the question is, How can we get along? Final word? We just have to keep getting in each other's faces. I think people who move to this country should keep moving yeah. to this country and at any other country that they feel like moving to. I, I think we really need, no matter what country a person is moving to, it should be allowed. And yes, I do understand population control because we do have a, a, a global society that has made it such that people actually have to move to certain parts in order to survive. That's a whole other economic topic Correct. that seems to be based in capitalism, a whole other subject. But um, I think people should just keep pushing the envelope. The envelope is there for it to be pushed. Keep pushing it. Keep forcing people. Do not change your name when you come to this country. Mm -hmm. Do not change your name. Do not try to water it down so that Americans will stop botching it. <laughs> say your name and say it loud and stand, but that is who you are. And I'm sorry, but people of the United States need to get over themselves and they need to understand that a person's name is their identity. Just like whatever your name is, you United States person, that's your name and you want someone to respect it. So do they. And they deserve your respect. Say their name. On that note, I want to thank you for that very important message. Say your name. Say it. Like, I'm just going to say it. My name is Pamela Anchang, and you're listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM. And that was a very insightful conversation with my media friend and companion and colleague, 
Ms. Kiana Williams, an audio engineer, editor, co-host and producer of Feminist Magazine here at KPFK 90.7 FM. Thank you so much. Well, after a very insightful discussion with our formidable panel, we are now switching gears to our very special impact story where we bring you compelling stories of immigrants who are making a difference and shaping the fabric of our nation. Our impact guest today is a courageous woman who accomplished the unimaginable in a David and Goliath fight, taking on and winning a lawsuit against then-businessman, now-current President of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump. She is also as formidable as they come in the art of beauty, fashion, and event production. Meet Virgilia Viegas, President of Virgilia Productions, Inc., and producer of Miss Asia USA, Mrs. Asia USA, Miss Teen Asia USA, Miss Latina Global, and Miss Teen Latina Global Cultural pageants. Miss Virgilia Viegas and Woman of Courage, welcome to Impact. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pam. It is such an honor to be here with you. Thank you for thinking of me and the organization. This is our 30th year anniversary. Unbelievable. I hope for you to be there, not to miss this one this year. <laughs> I certainly do. Yes. I'm not looking forward to missing. So, you know, I mean, you're a strong woman. I mean, we're not going to go into it, but your battle with the Miss Universe pageant, right? Correct. Yeah, yes. it's the Miss Universe organization. Uh-huh. Organization and then owner, our current president, yes. was on trademark and everything. Yes. And you're one brave woman to have done it because now we have him as president. In, and we know it's tough. So, good job. Thank so, you. So, let's get to important things. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Why did you come to the United States in the first place? Well, t- I came to the United States with my mother to establish a business. So, we came mm-hmm. in as a business visa visitor to the U.S., you know, and uh, since then, I was only 16 years old, mm. and I came with my mom and my aunt, and we were immigrants. We didn't know any friends, or we didn't have any relatives into this country. And that was in 1984, and this is me now, you know, and it brought a lot of, uh, this country really brought a lot of opportunities for us. You are the example of what someone can achieve. Right. When they set their minds to yes. it. I mean, you are the helm of the Miss A, all these pageants, right? Yes. What is your vision? Well, when I uh, came in to purchase Miss Asia USA 15 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, my vision and my mission really is to unite the multitudes of diversity into this one pageant. So I don't call it as a beauty pageant. I call it as a cultural celebration, okay. uniting the 58 countries under the Asian continent. And now, uh, seven years ago, I created the Miss Latina and Mrs. Latina Global. There are 40 countries, you know, under under that continent. So with it combined together under one show on November 17th at the Redondo <laughs> Beach Performing Arts Center, you know, and it is also the 30th anniversary of our flagship pageant, which is Miss Asia USA. We have an amazing unity of diversity, not only on the stage, mm-hmm. but as well as our audience. So, you know, some people say that, you know, pageants objectify women. And I know you say you call yours a cultural. How is it not objectifying women? 
Well, that is really a universal way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when I took over on the Miss Asia USA 15 years ago, I would like to give it a different look and a different platform. Right. You know, um, it's a game changer for me. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So not only that the delegates are representing the beauty of their culture, but they're also promoting, you know, the tourism of their country. All right. Yes. Okay. Because uh, 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 how else can you see the different beauties of the multitudes of the different communities, you know, in in Africa, in uh, Asia, as well as in the Latin countries Mm -hmm. under one show, you know, so regardless of uh, our differences in our religion and regardless of our differences of opinion in our uh, politics, all the girls unite together in celebration of their culture, representing in in the beauty, in the heritage, in their national so costumes. So it's really a cultural celebration. It is, yeah. And when you have your country there on the stage, you're also celebrating and also promoting tourism for your country. And you know what, though? Nothing wrong with playing dress up. Absolutely. You and know, playing beautiful <laughs> all the time, right? You know what? And, and also, you know, when you look at the audience in the lobby, they're yes. so proudly wearing oh, yeah. their national the costume national co- I mean, on the red carpet, yes. you know. It is a show to behold. It is, it really. Is and and this year is extra special because we're celebrating our 30th, 30th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And girl, you have to be there. I have to be there. You you know, so what costume are you going to be wearing? Hmm. Let me think about it because I'm an uh, immigrant. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm <laughs> Yes. Maybe I have to wear yeah. something. Maybe you can interview some of the girls on the red carpet. Count on me. I'll we'll do that. It. Thank so you. How can potential can contestants? Maybe it's, is it already too late for applications? Not at all. It's never or too late. Next year? It's open twenty four seven, darling. Yes. So you know, I I remove the age cap of our pageantry. Oh, There's no height requirement, as I really don't believe that you need to be a certain height in order for you to be a queen. Yes. You know, so there's no height requirement. There's no age cap, and all you need to do is for the rest of the information, I am personally briefing each applicant to ensure that they have every opportunity to participate in our pageant. Oh, amazing. So you, they can just call us, you know, which is uh, or Facebook us, Virgilia Prod. Okay. That's the easiest way to, to get a hold of us. Oh, yeah. fabulous. Well, thank you so much and count on me. I will be there. I can't miss it. I'm thank still trying you, to figure thank out you, thank what you. I'm going to And wear. in my language, I say Salamat Po. Ooh, and how do I respond? Salamat Po. po. So, walang anuman. Walang anuman. Oh, you got it right. That's the immigrant <laughs> experience right here. You are Thank listening you. to Impact on KPFK 90.7, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. That was the fabulous Virgilia Viegas, immigrant from the Philippines, who is doing an amazing job with her organization, mentoring women of all ages through her pageants. Thank you so much, Virgilia, for it's your It's an honor, Pam. Thank you. And contributions and for being an inspiration to not just immigrants, but everyone. We wish you the very best. And for more information about Miss Asia USA or Mrs. Asia USA, Miss Teen Asia USA, Miss Latina Global and Miss Teen Latina Global, please visit your website at MissAsiaUSA.org. Thank you so much. You're listening. Thank you. It's Impact. an honor. Thank You're you. You're welcome. And you're listening to Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. And I'm your host, Pamela Anchang. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Thank you.
to the end of our show Impact on KPFK 90.7 FM broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world we hope you enjoyed our candid conversations thanks to our great panel and guests for a wonderful time exploring immigrant experiences in the United States please join our conversation by sharing your thoughts on our Facebook page at Impact with Pamela Anchang and follow me on Instagram at Pam Anchang Twitter at Pamela Anchang and finally www.immigrantmagazine.com Voice of Immigrants in America We hope you tune in to our next show Impact on KPFK 90.7 where immigrants and Americans discuss America today and I'm your host Pamela Anchang All your sisters and your brothers and your friends Let's get together Let's hold hands and let us dance Let's unite and give ourselves another chance they walk out for road, you go see many things Every thing they have to pick up the body Oh yeah, now nah. let Africa be good And in the sun or the rain or the street or the rain We still get together Because let Africa be good Oh, Nelson Mandela Lupita Nudo Oh, Desmond Tutu Let Africa be good Oh, Barack Obama Kwame Nkrumah All my freedom fighters Taking off the handcuffs, we came to spread love through the sea breeze. Natural, Mama Africa, we need peace. Home sweet home, everybody for feel free. Check my people and check the beauty. Be my duty, we're trying to make it a better place for us. And I believe it's gonna happen in God we trust. Straight from the bottom all the way up to top. I prophesy it shall come to pass. Amen. From dust to grass, from grass to grace. But it's left to us to make it happen on a daily basis. Back to back, Africa stand for peace. Let's face the fact. Tonight, you've only